0: Do you love the Word of God, saints? Can I tell you what? The Word has the power in it to change us, transform us, and it is doing it. I want to talk about the year of transition, and real quickly, just turn back the clock of time two weeks when Pastor Tim brought a message to us. Now, he was the messenger, but he brought a message from the heart of the Father. I want you know something it's it's a little bit of an effort in our resolve in our, in our thinking and in our choosing how we receive how we hear the word how we receive that word who we're receiving it from it absolutely changes the impact of hearing and receiving it really does if you look at a human vessel you know in and of him or herself only. It's going to be more of a mental ascent. If you receive the office and the gift that God sets in the church and you see like, Lord, I am pulling on that gift today, your gift in that vessel, in that person. I'm going to pull on that gift and I'm ready to receive and eat the manna you have for us today. It's going to nourish me. It's going to help me. It's going to bless my life. I'm not going to leave the way I came in. Hallelujah. That's a resolve, isn't it? Amen. So, Pastor Tim opened up for God, speaking for God as Jesus, and the message was, what was it, Ryan? Well, oh, he just left. <laughs> he just walked out. <laughs> hey. His message was refocus and recommit. This is a year to refocus and recommit to the Lord. And it was a wonderful message. I loved it. Then last week, I talked, I started, uh, my message was on a year of transition. And I did talk about um, the refocus and recommitting. But the one thing that he had said, and listen carefully to this, you got to write this down. And I think this is a good proverb for meditation. Proverbs fifteen nineteen was, the way of the lazy man is like a hedge of thorns. But the way of the upright is a highway. So in Christ, we've been made upright. But then living it is a daily choice. To live uprightly is a daily choice in all of our thoughts, words, and deeds. It's a choice. Amen? And it's, well, glory. I'm just going to go on there. The thought being communicated in that verse... About the upright is a, the way of the upright is a highway. Is this the Christian's life is a road for people to travel on? I like that. Your life and my life is a road for people to travel on. Amen? Amen? Amen. Sound, Maria. Amen? Amen? Can't hear you back there, guys. Amen. There you go. Glory to God. Yeah. I did. Now, I use the word transition just to refresh you real fast. Transition is movement, passage, or change from one position to another, okay? From one position or one concept to another. It's a moving. Say moving. That's not complacent. That's not lazy. It is the way of the upright is a what? Is the path of life, Amen? The way of the upright is a path of life. So let's just let me go on to there. And I shared this with you last week. A paradigm shift is another saying you'll hear a lot often in the body of Christ. There's many ministers that have begun to use this over the past decade. A paradigm. We need a paradigm, and it literally means a change from one way of thinking to another. A change from one way of thinking to another. And this definition astounds me. It is a revolution. You know what? Sometimes I need a revolution in my life. Hallelujah. I need a revolt against being stagnant. I need a revolt against laziness. I need a revolt against self-centeredness. I need to revolt against the deeds of the flesh. Well, glory, thank you. Maybe I'm alone in that, but I just sometimes, I just, you know what, I, ha- I don't want my flesh to, I don't want the tail to wag the dog. Hallelujah. Amen. And paradigm shift also means a transformation, a sort of metamorphosis. It just doesn't happen, but is driven by agents of change. Ridge, I want you to get Ephesians uh, chapter 4 up for me, please, starting with verse 11. Hallelujah. If we're going to have a transitional year and leave 2017 different, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, is what the Scripture says in Romans 10:17. That's how it comes. The way it grows, you know, faith comes by hearing. The faith grows by doing. I, know, I need to clarify that. That's not in the book, but it's absolutely just a, it's, it's like the no-brainer. Yeah. It's the fruit of Hearing. The fruit of hearing is doing. Amen. So faith comes by hearing, but it grows as we do the word. Because we can't see the evidence or back see the result of what we believe until we do it or say it. You know, and saying is part of doing it. Ministering to people is part of doing it. Amen. Being kind, letting the fruit of the Spirit flow through us is part of it. Letting the love of God, which has been shed abroad in our heart, do we even know what the love of God is? When's the last time you read 1 Corinthians 13? Love is patient. Love is kind. Amen. It's not haughty, it doesn't think more of itself than it should. And it goes on and on and on. Amen. When's the last time we really looked at it? How about patient? Love is kind. Huh? Amen? Well, glory. Anyway, people need to eat that fruit from us. Well, we're, that's a whole different subject. Let's go to Ephesians 4. And he, Jesus, it's at the, the uh, context here is about Jesus, and you can look at it. I prefer if you have the paper, look at your paper. And he, Jesus himself, gave some, these are ministry offices, some to be apostles some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers for this purpose. This is the purpose of those offices or this following impact in your individual life, not independent life, in our individual lives. Amen? You with me? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. What... That is profound. For the edifying of the body, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, that's the first function listed here in the impact or the investment of the fivefold offices into the church of the Lord Jesus, of which you are part of, and you happen to be a good news. So, the responsibility of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher that are here, male or female, as they are preaching the Word of God, how you receive that Word is going to determine how much of an impact that really has on your life. If you receive it from man, it'll probably just be a nice message and just make you feel good. The same way it did when we were just religious, going to church as a lost soul, going into a denominational expression and leaving a little bit of ease in our conscience. Because we did something good. Amen? We are in a different environment. Listen, that's not to be the way in, in the born-again community, you shouldn't leave the same way you came in. Hallelujah. But you know what? It takes faith to apprehend, to comprehend, to desire. It takes faith to work. Faith is working. Lord, I believe. Glory to God. I don't care how many people are present in the assembly today. I'm coming to eat. Amen. Hallelujah. How, how is it you could have a 1,000 people and maybe only 10 people leave with a big burp? And the rest of them are there, and you know they're too still. They're in the church. They're doing what's right and good, but yet they're still overwhelmed by circumstances, situations, and all this stuff. Rather than saying, "Po, not now. You'll have your time. I'll deal with you later." I'm going into the assembly of the saints of the Lord God Almighty. Yeah, I'd love to hear Jesse's testimony on the close encounters of the God kind. goes, you know. The angel saying to Jesse frequently, you have an appointment with Jehovah God. Ooh, man, when he says that, I'm like, there, Jesus, can you imagine that whole thing being escorted? You have an appointment with Jehovah God. <laughs> you know, me culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. I mean, you know, Lord Jesus. <laughs> that was latin amen i was an older boy (laughs) hallelujah next verse please oh i'm sorry back back one second for the edifying the building up the encouraging of the body of christ next verse until this is something god desires of good news this year of the whole church not just some he desires this of every member that is plugged in here particularly not exclusively till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Hallelujah. To a perfect man, male or female, but a mature male or female. Say mature. So as we mature, we're being perfected. And you know what? The perfecting and perfection process is going to be evidenced. Carol said this. He said, you know, if the joy of the Lord's your strength, joy goes public. Joy's a fruit. It can be plucked. Hallelujah. What the world needs now is love, sweet love, with all of the fruit of the Holy Ghost. All the fruit listed in Galatians 5.22, any of that fruit should be able to be plucked off of us by others. But in order for them to desire, even desire to pluck it from us, it's got to be evidenced. Hallelujah. Amen. So here Jesus is saying, and he's prophesied, and we've had it here. You are the light of the world. Now, Paul said something, and I thought about this, and it's in one of the uh, letter, epistles. In Colossians, he says, hey, and he's speaking to the church. He said, church. If the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? If the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So the inference there is like, if that illumination or lack of illumination in you, (laughs) if the light in you is darkness, how great... He's not saying it to the sinner. He's saying it to the church. It's a letter to the church. Say letter to the church. Back there. this guys in the back. Yeah. It's a letter to the church. If the light in you is darkness, the illumination is dark. If you are living in the world, you're, we're in the world, but not of it. But if you are allowing yourself to be controlled, manipulated by demonic influence and the power of the world the light of Christ, and you're born again, you're a stumbling block. You become a stumbling block to others. They have no need to get saved if you're not living like you are. All right, so what happens then? That light that is in us all of a sudden has got a dark effect on others rather than helping them see Christ. Amen. Well, glory. Glory till we all come to the unity of faith of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, perfect, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's God the Father's goal for you and I. And how's he get it done? In the assembly. In individual devotions, but in the assembly. You get it both ways. There are things you can get, you get at church that God in his divine design that you'll never get in your personal study. God designed it that way. Why? Because he doesn't want you to fall prey, you and I, to fall prey to the same thing that happened to Satan. I will exalt myself above the stars. He was saying, I will exalt myself above the throne of the Lord Jesus. Satan. I will think higher of myself than him. I will think higher of myself, and he exalted himself and everything else. And the Bible says, in the day sin was found in you, you were internally filled with violence. You were the anointed cherub, and I cast you out of heaven like lightning for your arrogance and your sin. A lot of times, sometimes, we got to be careful in our Christianity. Well, I'll go to church when I feel like it. Well, you're of a different spirit than the Holy Ghost. (laughs) mm hmm. Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. I'll go to church if I feel like it. Really? Hmm. You better read Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. About the fall of Lucifer. You on thin ice, honey, and you got a car out there. Glory. anyway, praise God. Next verse. That we say that we let's read this together in unison. We're a huge crowd that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craft of deceitful plotting. Anybody in here know Mormons? Mormon people? People that practice Mormon faith? Anybody know any Jehovah's Witnesses that practice their faith? Amen? Moral people, for the most part, a lot of them have great morality in their conscience and in in their thought life, but they're not saved. Now, let me just ask you a question. Jesus said something. We need to wake up and smell the coffee sometimes. I'm you know because of knowledge and and putting ourselves in a place to receive understanding about the cults, religions, and all that kind of stuff. That you begin to understand. Jesus said in the last days, false teachers will rise up in my name, false Christ. Amen. He said that. Amen. In the 1820s, that's the in that decade of the 1820s, the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society emerged out of nothing, picking up the teachings of Arius from the third century, that Jesus was a God but not God, that he was Michael the archangel, all these things. You know, the devil is a brilliant foe. He's wicked, though. He understands, and if he can keep people from receiving the true light of Christ and the true life of Christ, he don't care how much truth you get as long as you're damned. As long as you do not get born again. As long as you don't cross that line. As long as he doesn't lose control of your spirit. He don't care how much truth you play with. As a matter of fact, he'll give you 90% truth. And if you read some of the teachings of the Watchtower, Jehovah's Christian Witnesses. First, they were Jehovah's Witnesses. Then they incorporated and changed their Bible cover. Let's stretch this a little bit. Jehovah's Christian Witnesses. Why? They want proselytes. They want to take... Catholic folk and Protestant folk that are disgruntled, never been born again, and pull them into their tentacles. That we no longer should be tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. A good Jehovah's Witness, a knowledgeable Jehovah's Witness will leave your home if you invite them in very confused on what you believe. If you don't know what you believe, they're going to have you a little unnerved when when they leave. They're going to batter you and barrage you with Scripture. Boom, ba-boom, ba-boom, ba-boom. They're not going to say, you know, Jesus is Michael the archangel. Not in that environment, but they're going to go to bring you in and get you into their church. Mormonism, their biggest, one of their biggest things that they facilitate is the emphasis of family. Do you think family's a valid structure in, in society? Amen? It's a, sure it is. It's number one. What do they do? They emphasize that. Now, Mormonism says they believe in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. They believe in speaking in tongues. Yes, they do. They didn't always, but in order to know what kind of tree and fruit you got to have, you got to look at the root. That tree is going to bring forth the root of its foundation what you have is these religions coming up and they become hybrids. They take a little bit of this, a little bit of that. They want to sound like Christianese. They want to speak Christianese so that people will come deceptively into it. And what? Be carried around with every wind of doctrine. So you need to know what you believe, and we do, and why we believe it. Amen? Amen. So the, I'm just using those as a couple instances. In Christendom, You can have people that are behind the pulpit with wrong agenda. They can preach the Word of God, preach truth, get people saved. There was a, well, you're you're safe here. (laughs) Amen. But there was a, one of the testimonies years ago was a Jewish man that saw the gospel and saw, you know, was, got exposed to Christendom and everything else, and he thought, hey, this is a good racket. They take past the bucket every week, and they preach a message. He got he began to listen to some things online and everything else. Take some messages. Okay, they're out there praying for the sick. He wasn't even saved, and he began to do this as a charlatan, getting paid for you know pretty well by receiving offerings and everything else. He was laying hands on people, and the people were getting healed. Wow, because really? they were. Their faith was in Christ and in his word and didn't realize that this guy's a shark and God honored their faith in Christ. That man had no anointing. He had an annoying. But are you with me? So here's this. We need to know who we are because of whose we are. 2017 needs to take us to a higher level of our Christian growth. Amen. So, next verse, please. But speaking the truth in love, the fivefold offices, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, and teacher, speaking the truth in love will help the church grow up in all things into him, Christ, who is the head. Amen? Amen. So, what's the goal here? Maturity, Christian spiritual maturity. For every person in this place. I don't care if you've been saved 40 years, 30 years, 20 years, 10 years, or you just got saved. Maturity is the goal. Pleasing the Father is the goal. Amen? Knowing the Word is not enough to be the light of the world. Doing the work is what our Master expects from all of us. Amen? Now, let me just remind you here. What value... This is what familiarity, and I, I don't want to overemphasize that, but I don't want to underemphasize it. If you get too familiar with just going through the, the, the ritual of coming in, you expect the pastors to bring a message, whoever, which one, it don't matter. Praise God. God's going to be pleased. I'm going to pay my tithe. I'm going to assemble. I'm even going to grow this year and be on time. <laughs> you know? And you get a, we get a sense of pleasure when we're doing what's right. There is a fulfillment in doing what's right, but yet we can do that, and you fall into Isaiah 119, the willing and obedient eat the good of the land. You can become obedient without being really willing and not eat the good of God. Now, praise God. Amen. Thank you for sharing that. Pastors and leaders, always just get this down in your spirit. Pastors and leaders in the local assembly are to cast vision, according to these words, this scripture, equip, encourage, exhort, and comfort the church to be successful in their growth and fruitfulness. I'll read. I'll read, read, read that. I'll read that again. Pastors and leaders in the assembly, the local assembly, are to cast vision, to equip to encourage, to exhort, and comfort the church to be successful in their growth and fruitfulness. And I put this there, there are no shortcuts in life. We don't get a phone booth with our Christianity. What do you think the purpose was of schooling? First grade, kindergarten and first grade. What is the purpose of education? In the, in the practical sense of life. It's to prepare y- little humans for their mature years. And it's getting them early to instill into them knowledge of a lot of areas of life. Amen. Things, tools, say tools, that they're going to need in life when they get up to here. And they leave school. And they're going into the workplace. Amen. Into, but relationally, financially, all these different things that kids should be equipped with. Well, that's the goal of the Father. There are spiritual, you have to look at the same thing. There are stages of growth that we'll probably get into next week in the Greek, and it's throughout the Scripture. You can be 30 years a Christian and still be a Nepios, and then think Christian because you ate, but you never really meditated, you never got the Word into your heart. You're born again, and you're going to go to heaven, as it were, by fire. You could—I'm not you. I'm not saying this is indictment, but it's possible. I don't want to go to heaven in pampers. I got born again, April 23rd, 1974, 7:30 in the morning, and I don't want to go to heaven at that state and that of my my experience. I don't want to go to heaven in pampers. Amen. (laughs) Well, praise God. Say that with me. I don't want to go to heaven in pampers. <laughs> or depends. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> all right. Listen, we're going to cover some things here. So the the purpose of Fivefold is to help equip all the church for the work of ministry. Now go to Matthew chapter five, verse fourteen and sixteen. Fourteen to sixteen, if you would, Rich. Matthew five, verse fourteen. New King Jim's. New King Jim's. Let's read it together, guys. Let's do that today, shall we? Look up here on the screen and together, because that will be on the same version. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, verse 15. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Say good works. So, what's up with good works? For a religious person, good works, they think that's going to help them get to heaven. But because of the new birth, good works are the fruit of the indwelling presence of the Lord Jesus and the presence of the Holy Ghost. Good works are very natural. Amen? They should be, but they have to be employed. They have to be carried out. They have to be chosen and then done. Ephesians chapter 2, please, verse 8. How do we get our light to shine in life? good works. Say good works. Good work. See, it's not about praying in tongues. I'm a People are going to be impacted by the good works that we do. They will be. Why? Because the way of the upright is a highway. It is a road for people to travel on. Okay. Let's read it together. Let me see which verses. Verses 8 to 10 together let's go guys for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of god not of works lest anyone should boast in other words works gaining heaven for you for we are his created in Christ Jesus for what which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, God's got work for you and I to do every day. We're waiting for Him to do something. He's like, let's commune, let's hang out, let's be intimate so my Holy Spirit can guide you into the good works I have for you this day. See, but if, we're, if we don't know that that's what God wants, we don't release any faith in it. That's right. We just go about our duty. We go to our job. Yep. I will go to work. I will do my job. I will interact with people. I will not tell them about Jesus. I don't want to be embarrassed. <laughs> no, man, when you start going... Start thinking you're a Navy SEAL. Bless God. Think about it. You When you go into, you get up tomorrow morning, you're going to have the headset on and everything. You're getting orders from headquarters. Bless God. And you're communing with him just like a SEAL team. Bless God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whatever it takes. Hallelujah. Good works is cleaning bathrooms. And I'm telling you what. Listen, Pastor Carol... She has been one of the greatest examples to me of the love of Christ, for real, straight up. When we first got saved in the Jesus movement, when she gave her life to Christ, and as the Holy Spirit, you know, I, what God did in her and she was groomed that way. She was groomed that way. I mean, she was 10, helping to raise the family. So she was big about serving people and helping people she looked around the church of a bunch of young folk. You know, the oldest ones were like 26 in the church. And we had a, a hundred and some people in the church. So we're looking at all these teenagers in college age, you know. And some a lot of them had kids. We had a children's area. And she just thought, She went into the bathrooms and, you know, all these hippies, ex-hippies that are like capasa, you know, listen, praise the Lord. I mean, they're loving Jesus and everything else, but they didn't. Work was like not part of their didn't register on their radar. She saw the toilets and she said, Lord Jesus, I wouldn't want to sit on that. And I won't sit on that until it's clean. So she got all the stuff, found out where it was, and she got the toilets in both all the restrooms. She just began cleaning it, but she did it with a right attitude and a right heart. She said, and the Holy Spirit just gave her a download. Would you want Jesus to sit on this? All right. Yeah, and we're going to ask people to get involved with cleaning the toilets after we're done here. (laughs) I have an agenda. (laughs) Amen. No, but but that was her heart. That was her heart. She thought, and the Holy Spirit put it in her heart. Would, we, would you want Jesus to sit on this? And she thought, no, Lord. We'll clean it as if Jesus is going to sit it on it, sit on that throne. Amen. So she began, and that's the way she teaches it and helps. Then she thought after she was doing that, other people began to catch on, like, hey, that's a good idea. You know, they began to, the porch light was on, and they began to come light For good works in others' hearts and their minds. Because the way of the upright was a highway. The way of a lazy man is a hedge of thorns. Proverbs 15 9, right? Remember that verse? Yo, glory to God. The way of a lazy man is a hedge of thorns. Carol is fruitful, multiplying. All of a sudden, other people just saw it and they got on board. And then she thought, need help in the children's area. Boy, I know how to change diapers. She could do it blindfolded. You know? Boom! She got involved in Children's Church with all the poopy diapers. Showed them how to get it done. You know? The whole deal. She could do it. I mean, seriously. Oh, shit. Poor Raymond. I think he he doesn't know it, but he's probably scarred because we used to use those cloth diapers and when I was first learning how to you know, hitting them with the big pins. Sorry, bud. Oh, yeah, yeah, your, your dad. I'm sorry. I ask your forgiveness because I think your dad might occasionally be psychologically damaged from the pins. Anyway, but that was Carol. That was Carol. Then the teenagers needed attention, and we talked, and we said, you know what? Let's see if we can serve there. It was just serving. But I didn't. We didn't understand that. All fell into this. We are his workmanship created in Christ for good works. People shouldn't have to be asked to get involved. There should be an innate desire because of the new birth and the love of God in our hearts con- moving us to give. It's not just finances. It's giving of all we are. It's giving of our talents. It's giving of our abilities. You know, John Bevere did a great teaching, and he said, you know, submission doesn't even begin till you're asked to do something you don't want to do. (laughs) And then, let me throw this out at you. Jesus threw this at us uh, in his teaching. He said, if you then, being evil, know how to give good things to your children, how much more will Heavenly Father give Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Even evil people know how to give good things. Amen? How much more should we who are in Christ have a willingness to serve? Amen. That's good preaching, Pastor. Thank you. So, we are His workmanship created, say, I am. Let's personalize this and, and speak this into your life and over each other. I am His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that I should walk in them. Hallelujah. 1 Timothy chapter 6, please. You are the light of the world, and I can tell because of your good works. (laughs) I can tell because of the way you worship and the good things you choose to do. 1 Timothy 6. Verse 17, please, Rich. Let's read it together, guys. Now, now let me uh, uh, give you a little understanding about this letter. This is a letter of the apostle Paul to his son in the faith, Timothy, a pastor. It's considered to be a pastoral letter. So, now, this is what the apostle is telling the pastor to do with the people entrusted to him. Come on. Let's do it together. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Next verse. Let them do good that they may be rich in good works ready to give willing to share. You know, Buddy Harrison said to us one time, he said, to a whole group of ministers, he said, you know, the Bible says, and Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And he said, if your treasure is floating on the water, your heart's going to be there. He's talking about folks that have boats and everything else, and that, if that's all you think about, that's where your finances will be. You can tell what's really valuable to you by where your finances are. Allotted. Yeah, glory. Amen. Now, let me read this to you. I want to make sure we're going to go here. Yes. In the book of Titus, just after Timothy in the New Testament, I want to read you, and we're going to go to uh, the next verse, will be Titus chapter 2, Rich. But in Titus, uh, in my particular Bible, like many of yours, there's a little summary about the letter, and I want to read this to you. Titus, a young pastor, faces the unenviable assignment of setting in order the church at Crete. wasn't an easy job he was getting ready for. Paul writes, advising him to appoint elders, men of proven spiritual character in their homes and businesses, To oversee the work of the church. But elders are not the only individuals in the church who are required to excel spiritually. Men and women, young and old, have their vital functions to fulfill in the church if they are to be living examples of the doctrine they profess. I'm going to read that again. Men and women, young and old, each have their vital functions to fulfill in the church if they are to be living examples of the doctrine they profess. Isn't that good? Throughout his letter to Titus, Paul stresses the necessary practical working out of salvation in the daily lives of both the elders and the congregation. Good works are desirable and profitable for all believers. (laughs) Say, good works are profitable for me. Hallelujah. Amen. And for all believers. So, Titus chapter 2, verse 6, please. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded. Well, let me look through here. I'm going to call every man in here today. Sober, young man. Amen. Ryan, Ridge, Albert, Tim, Michael, Pop. Likewise, I exhort you to be (laughs) sober-minded. Amen. Next verse. (laughs) In all things, showing yourselves to be a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing integrity. Reverence, reverence and incorruptibility but hold that verse in all things showing yourself to be a pattern of good works hallelujah amen so what are we talking about proverbs 15:19b but the way of the upright is a highway a road for people to travel on your witness <laughs> is a highway for people to travel on. The light of Christ in your life, Michael, is a witness and a road for people to travel on. Your life, Kirsten Marie, is a road for people to travel on. (laughs) Your life, Carrie Lynn, is a road for people to travel on. Your life, Timothy Paul, is a road for people to travel on. <laughs> yeah, etc. 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 Amen. Next verse. Let's see where I'm going here. Hallelujah. Verses, uh, verse eight. Let's read it together, guys. Sound speech that cannot be condemned. That one who is an opponent may be ashamed having nothing evil to say of you. Now, back that up to verse 6 again. Let's read it together. <clears throat> verse 6. Let's do it all in unison, 6, 7, and 8. So give me a nice flow there, Ridge. Together, saints. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, Incorruptibility you know it 's very awkward experience is that here we are all of a sudden, we step up to the plate and we start to let Christ shine through our life. then all of a sudden we 're marked by our associates, our family members workplace. All of a sudden, oh, you're one of them. You know, whatever. (laughs) However they (laughs) process and and title you. But then you could blow it one time and do uh, 99 things right. They don't remember for one second the 99 things you and I did right, but they remember the one thing we did wrong. And you know what I've done? uh, I'm not going to say I do this all the time, but I learned the habit. I developed a habit because I was taught it by my pastor. He said, if you blow your testimony, go apologize to the person. (sighs) What did that mean? I had to humble myself (laughs) under the mighty hand of God that I could be exalted by the same God. I had to humble myself before God, ask the person to forgive me. A man in our trade who was the first guy to mock me when I gave my life to Christ in the apprenticeship. You have to understand pipe fit or you know this construction apprenticeships. It's like all you know the fishermen. It's like the guys in the boat. You know the language and all this stuff. It's just blue collar coarse humanity. You know it doesn't mean that there aren't good guys but they're still blue collar. You know four years, I was a degenerate right alongside him. I gave my life to Christ. And all of a sudden, I wasn't following the path, the path of the the lazy man. Now, lazy man doesn't mean you aren't a worker. Lazy man think of spiritual things. The lazy man spiritually, okay, is a hedge of thorns. So here I am, I'm there, and all of a sudden I give my life to Christ, and they're all after school. We had school two nights a week for three hours a night on top of the five days of work, okay? Two nights a week, three hours a night in the apprenticeship. But, of course, afterwards, if you're with all the goons and guys, you know, you have to go out to the gin mill to pound down a couple. You don't have to hang out have a couple skis, you know, that was all part of it. That's the whole deal. That's the mentality. That was the course of the world. And I was in the course. And all of a sudden, I had to say, nah, I can't do it. You know, I'm, I'm not going. And for a few months, I'm giving every lame excuse I can because I'm embarrassed to tell them i give given my life to Christ. Because they looked up to me for four years, because I was a rock and roller, had the hair, the beard, and I had an image. I was trying to... Yeah. But I was living a lie. I let them think whatever they thought. You know, drug, sex, rock and roll, and they just... I was married. I was committed to my marriage, but I let them think whatever they want. You know, strutting the stuff. I got saved. And then finally... I ran out of excuses. And it's like the Holy Spirit just put a plug in my excuses. <laughs> How come you? And this guy, John Kennedy was his name. He, not the John Kennedy, another one. John Kennedy, big six-foot one bar brawling, strapping Irishman, you know, drinking, bar brawling. He'd fight for a drop a hat. He says, Ray! How come you aren't coming out to the bar? And I was like ready to give another excuse. And whoosh, the Holy Spirit just plugged it. And I said, I got saved. I gave my life to Jesus. You know, it took me a few months to get there to say it. And then the cat's out on the back. You went, what? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. In front of everybody, he starts mocking me. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Oh, there goes that image. That's off the wall. You know. <laughs> but you know what? Great relief came when I fought, stopped living the lie. Great relief came. Then, so let your light shine before men that they will glorify my Father. That's what Jesus said. I just began to sh- let the light shine. I didn't beat him over to heaven with the Bible and all that stuff. One year later, I'm working on a job with this guy. We're working on a job together. And I've got my little cassette player in the area where I'm working playing Jesus music. Yeah. Just a a small cassette player so you know it wasn't, you know, blaring. It was just keeping my boat floating. Hallelujah. It was just encouraging me. Yeah. No, it was just a little thing. No, it was just a little thing. But I'm playing it, and I'm trying to be cool with this guy, John, still. I'm still finding myself falling prey to this, trying to be cool and connect. And after two days of hypocrisy, not cursing, not doing any of that, but just trying to be cool and and blend, I realized that the Holy Spirit convicted me. And I said, uh, We were at lunch, and I said, John, I got to ask you to forgive me. Now, I'm talking to a sinner. I said, John, I've got to ask you to forgive me. For what? I said, I've been putting on a face. I've been putting on a face just trying to be cool and appease you and all. And I said, that's not me anymore. I'm a different man. I can't go there. I'm asking you to forgive me because I haven't been living letting Christ really shine through to you the way he wants to. Would you forgive me? And it's an awkward place for a sinner to be in a place to forgive sin? And he said, sure, you know. (laughs) Well, awkwardly, the next lunch on a Friday afternoon, he says, because at that time there was a campaign for Christians to put a a bumper sticker, a bumper sticker on your car. I found it. It was called the I Found It Campaign to stir up people's curiosity about what you find. And it gave you an opportunity to share Jesus. So he said, "What you, what is this really that you found?" <laughs> you know His brother, who was older and crazy, he said, "Hey, I can see you found it. What'd you lose?" <laughs> you know, another just a little spin on it. but I said, <laughs> So John says, "What is it?" And I told him about being born again. Monday, we got back to the job. we're working, we're at lunch, and we're sitting there eating. And I, just, you know, I said, grace over my meal. I said, Father, thank you for the food. In Jesus' name, that'd be a blessing. <whistles> Eating, and John says, yo, yeah. I found it. I said, <laughs> yeah, and I, it didn't even connect at first. I'm like, <laughs> what? What'd you lose? <laughs> and he said, no, you know, I found it. And I said, then like, brr, <laughs> what'd you find? He said, you know what I found. I accepted Christ over the weekend. And I'm like, yahoo, glory to God. Ask him to forgive you. Boom, boom, boom. There was a process of something happening here for the genuine Christ to shine in his life through my vessel at that time. Listen, and this is all, you know, this is, uh, what do you call it, learning on the job, on the job training. And uh, that guy, this bar-brawling, beer-packing ombre, wept. He didn't miss a service for months. Midweek Sundays, weeping like a baby, the cleansing of God by the Word and the Holy Ghost, just weeping like a baby became one of the strong pillars in the church he got involved in. Let your light shine. Amen. So, where were we? The sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. This is what will happen when you and I don't compromise. The people who will mock us, make fun of you, whatever else. The point is going to come. There's going to be a crossroads, an intersection in their life. Where they're going to say, you know what? They may not say it to you. They're going to be ashamed of the way they treated you. Because they're going to become all of a sudden, awkwardly, that's a good word, acquainted with Jesus, the reality of Jesus in our life. And it's going to convict them and they're going to ease up on their attack. You're being your opponent in your faith, being an opponent to what you really believe. Can God make a rock he can't carry? Why would he want to? (laughs) Amen? You know, the world starts coming back with all this stuff. It's amazing how they get weaponry to combat truth or to challenge it. Amen? Titus 2, verse 11 Go down to verse 11, if you would, Rich, and we'll end here shortly. Let's read it together. We're going to read uh, verses 11 to 15. Let's read it together, saints. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, And godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people. Zealous! For good works, hallelujah. hallelujah, hallelujah, verse fifteen, please, speak these things, right, oh let, let me let me just tell you what Papa Paul gave to the fivefold to the officers for your benefit. Speak these things, exhort the church Our, the job of the fivefold is to exhort the church that 's one of the the expressions of helping you mature, rebuke. Shouldn't that ought to be doing that? You should do, you should be doing this, not harshly, but rebuke. In Proverbs it says, a wise man loves the rebukes of life, because it's going to help him or her walk in the greater uprightness. Amen. With all authority, not pussyfooting around not being harsh, just like a parent, a father and mother with the children. They're not supposed to be harsh with the family. You're supposed to speak the truth in love. Amen. Uncompromisingly, you can say very difficult things in a meek way. Amen. With all authority, let no one despise you. Hallelujah. So that's the admonishment of the apostle to the pastor. And that's part of our job in equipping you, helping you become a greater light this world and to this world this year. Amen? I'm going to tell you something right now. If you're a homemaker at this portion in life, think of who you can call to encourage for five minutes in your day. You have a ministry, everybody in here has a ministry. Think if you're going to work during your lunch hour. Who can I call for five minutes to encourage? Lord, give me a verse for somebody. Who can I encourage today? Listen, what's that? That's a good work. Hallelujah. What does... And if the Holy Spirit, as the Holy Spirit... I'm not going to say when. As the Holy Spirit gives you a scripture, a person, a face, something, family member, somebody in the church, amen. You call them up say, listen... I'm at lunch. I have just a couple minutes, you know, so you don't feel like you, 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 know, you lose all your time for lunch. I have a couple minutes, but I've been asking the Lord to give me something for somebody, and, uh, and I got, you, you know, the Lord put you on my heart. So I just want to, and even if he doesn't give you a verse, call them and say, can I just pray with, for you? Father, I ask you to bless my brother and sister today in a special way, in Jesus' name. It can be that simple, but the fact that you reached out and touched someone. <laughs> It does volumes on the inside of a person's soul. Amen? Well, praise God. We're going, to, Pastor, do you have anything to add? Do you want to tweak? Insert? Because I respect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe we need to get on Twitter and send Donald some of this. Amen. Hey, yeah, praise God. You can stand. I have, and Carol and I both have absolutely great faith that our church is going to shine this year like never before. And our leaders, Pastor Tim and Elena, Father, we thank you for the grace of God in our lives and for the truth of Scripture, for the delight of assembling together in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for making us one in unity and and in the faith. And Father, for your son's light, Jesus, shining so much brighter this year in us, And, Lord, that you would be glorified, Father, through the good works that are done through us this year in a greater way, with greater joy, greater faith, greater impact. In Jesus' mighty name, we give you the praise. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Give each other a hug. And you're going to get out early.